Good morning. This is Attorney Vincent Davis. You're on the radio with Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of this show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to go to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of this show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box, at the state and the federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking about a uh, topic that I get a lot of calls on, and it's what to do when the social worker shows up at your home. This is have um you know taking place at countless um counties and states throughout the country. So I want to give you some tips. The first tips the first tip is if you are phoned or contacted in person by a CPS or DCFS social worker and told that there is an allegation made against you. Inquire with the social worker the exact nature of the complaint filed against you. Furthermore, request them to give you the actual state statute or local ordinance code that you have allegedly violated. Write it down. If you are surprised at your door and don't have a pen and a paper, politely ask their forgiveness while you gather writing material, excuse yourself for a minute, quote-unquote, a minute. Calmly close and quietly lock the door. Try not to be obvious. And get something to write on. Return and take precise notes. In a lot of situations, I've heard that social workers will not give you the information for which you're being charged with. And I think that's an investigative technique that they use. Um, they can ask you open-ended questions. You can talk to them, etc. But they are reluctant to give you the information that you're seeking. So be wary of that. Although my tip is to get that information from the social worker. Note that a lot of social workers won't give you that. Now, if they don't give you the information... Please don't get upset. Don't get frustrated. Um, Keep calm. And that takes us to step two. Ask the social worker and or the police officers uh, to identify themselves. Jot down their names, their badge numbers if they have it. And ask for their business cards and write down any information that they give you about themselves, for example, their telephone number, what offers or precinct they're from. So remember, at this point, you already have pen and paper. The next thing you should do is if you uh, have advance notice or suspect that you are being investigated and expect a home visit, you might be able to document the front door or in-home conversation with a video audio recorder. It is not unlawful to conceal the camera or recorder so that the social worker or police officer is unaware of the taping, but you have to uh, you have to let them know in California um, 
that you are taping or audio recording parents. Many parents use such devices to protect children from abuse from babysitters. This type of recording on your own property is never illegal, no matter what you are told by the social worker or the police. In California, it is illegal to record telephone calls without the consent of all parties to the conversation, and that's California Penal Code Section 632. That said, if you were to videotape yourself while talking on the phone so that your side of the conversation was recorded, that might be useful to remember exactly what you said. The next step, number four, if the CPS or DCFS social worker asks to come into your home, politely inform them that you'd rather not have them in. If they insist, coerce, or threaten you with some consequence for keeping them out, stand your ground. If they persist and ask the social worker um, or the police officer if they have a warrant or court order that gives them the authority to enter your home, against your will. Now, I've heard in many cases that a lot of social workers just barge in or police officers just barge in. They cannot do that without a court order or warrant. If they do, they are subject to being sued for a civil rights violation um, under state and federal law pursuant to the uh, Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, which is uh, unreasonable search and seizure. Now, most people have phones um, that take pictures and record video. Um, I suggest that you have that and so that the social worker or the police officer knows, you know, what you're doing and you're trying to document what's happening. Um, if they persist and uh, they enter your home without a warrant, you should probably call an attorney right away. Now, under some circumstances, they may tell you that you don't or that they don't need a warrant under their circumstances. Tell them again that you will be glad to cooperate and allow them to enter your home if they possess a warrant or court order signed by a judge or magistrate. If a police officer demands that you step out of the way and insist they are entering your home, it would be advisable to step aside or you might end up arrested. The abuse of this police authority can be addressed at a later time without you ending up in a jail cell. So the question I get a lot is, when can the police legally enter my home without a warrant or a court order? Under very limited circumstances, which the law refers to as, quote, exigent circumstances, unquote, such as in the hot pursuit of a criminal, or in an emergency, police officers are legally permitted to enter a home without a warrant. But these, but these instances are usually rare. An example of a hot pursuit and the legal authority to enter a private residence is sometimes seen by millions of people watching a television police pursuit, as commonly seen here in Southern California, where the person crashes the car and then breaks into a closed into a close-by home or apartment. The officers can't enter that home without a warrant. An emergency would involve the immediate need to rescue someone from serious bodily harm. An officer hearing screaming, pleas for help, 
or gunshots coming from inside the home would perceive, would reasonably perceive an emergency and would be justified in entering the home without a warrant. A social worker investigating allegations of child abuse or neglect, especially from an anonymous tip, would rarely be exempt from the legal requirement to have a warrant. So I want to repeat that because this happens time and time again. A social worker investigating allegations of child abuse or neglect, especially from an anonymous tip, would rarely be exempt from the legal requirement to have a warrant or court order. So if the police or if the social worker enter your home without a warrant or court order and without you inviting them, you should definitely speak to an attorney or perhaps call my office. The fifth thing that you should know is that these same legal rights protect you should an officer of the court says that as a CPS or DCF social worker or police officer attempt to convince or coerce you to do anything against your will. For example, you should not assume that you have to drive to and show up at the offices of the county social worker nor should you be coerced to bring your children to the CPS or DCFS offices to be interviewed without being served a legal court order to do so. Only a judge or a magistrate presented with evidence that you have committed a crime can issue an order that you are obligated to obey or comply with. Unfortunately, will mistakenly comply with such orders as they have se- they, they seem mandatory. All the while, the CPS workers are building a case against you with your help and your willing cooperation. If, if such requests are being made to you, it might be time to seek legal counsel, as it is likely that the social workers are in fact building a case against you. Just this week, a woman called me from, I believe she was in Riverside County, California, and um, things were getting out of hand in in an investigation against her with the police and with the social workers. And here was the scenario. The social workers came to her door with two police officers. As it turns out, neither the social workers or the police officers had a warrant or court order. However, in the conversations that occurred before the social workers and the police officer entered the home, the mother was made to feel as if she was compelled to let them in their house. Now, at this point, with the social workers and the police officers standing at the door, they did not hear any screaming or pleas for help, any gunshots. So there was nothing to justify an emergency under the law and under the Fourth Amendment. They stood at the door, and they repeatedly asked to come into the um, home. And apparently, the mother repeatedly denied them access to the home. Finally, one of the officers took it upon himself to open the screen door 
and to budge or to budge his way right into the door. At this point, the second officer and the social worker followed the first officer into the screen into the home. Now, there's not much a woman can do when two officers budge into your home or barge into your home. They're wearing guns and they have badges. So there's nothing at this point that the client can or that the mother can do. They, as the officers searched the home, the social worker and the mother sat on the living room couch and discussed the case and the allegations that were made, allegedly, the mother. Now, as it turns out, the allegation that was made against the mother was one of drug abuse. Um, someone had called in anonymously and made allegations that the mother could not take care of the children because of her alleged drug abuse. The children weren't at home at the time that the social worker and the police came. But the mother informed me that the social worker basically demanded that she bring the children to the office the next day, demanded that the mother take a uh, drug test on the spot, and she dem- and allegedly the social worker also um, required the children to be taken to a hospital to be examined for physical and or sexual abuse. Now, the mother complied with all of the requests. Eventually, the children were interviewed by the social worker, and and apparently there was no information given that would support that the mother was a risk to these children or in danger of uh, being a risk to these children. Um, The case was eventually transferred to another social worker, and for a period of more than 30 days, this family was investigated for alleged child abuse. At no time did the social worker obtain a court order or warrant to do anything. So the woman has consulted with me, and she asked me, were her rights violated? Were her children's rights violated? And in my humble opinion, I told her yes. So we're now in the process of making a claim against the county and the police uh, for civil rights violations. And that will probably end up uh, turning into a lawsuit against the county social workers and uh, the police officers. So if somebody, if a social worker ever tells you that you have to do something, you do not. The social worker may tell you that if you don't cooperate, that she will inform the judge. And that's probably true. Probably will inform the judge. But it's better than 
you talking or allowing the social worker to do something and giving the social worker to gather evidence or to make up evidence or to twist evidence against you. So my advice in most situations is don't talk to the social worker. Don't cooperate with the social worker. They're only building a case against you. If they had the evidence to take your children away from you, you would not have your children. Only you talking to them can they gather this evidence. And by the way, social workers are professional information gatherers. They're investigators. Please do not think that at any time you will able to be you will able to outwit, outsmart, or outtalk a social worker. It's not going to happen. Right now, I'm going to take a break from this list, and I'm going to take our first call. It's area code 562, ending in 48. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you. This is Daniel. And Hi, Daniel. And I want to thank you for, for my case getting closed yesterday. Thank you to you guys. My daughter's home. My case is closed. But um, i just like to say that whole thing about the social worker in the very beginning took my daughter, and I told her, I don't want to really talk to you unless I have proper counsel here. And she told me, you're not being arrested, Mr. Collette. We're only gathering information. And the whole thing got twisted out of proportion from there. How did the social worker make you feel when she was initially questioning you? I felt really bad. I had the feeling something was going to happen. I was only trying to cooperate. She asked if I did drugs. I told her I do not drink alcohol or do any kind of drugs. And, again, I was trying to cooperate. Uh, Later, I read the reports, and everything got completely twisted around from what I said. And uh, she said, if you don't cooperate, we're going to take your daughter and have you arrested. And so... You know, she goes, you don't need an attorney? We're just questioning you. It's just words. I thought, okay, well, that seems reasonable. I was honest with her. She asked me if I did drugs. I told her no. Uh, My daughter's mom is a substance abuser. That's what they were investigating. I'm a non-offending parent. And so they just figured, because she does the drugs, I do drugs. Her mom and I were not together. I had broke up with her five, six months previous to this. But, um, again, I was trying to cooperate with her, and everything that I said was twisted around. And they, they go on assumption. They assume things. They start putting things together, and the more that you talk, the more they twist it. And I, I kind of know this. But I was trying to cooperate. I was trying to keep my daughter. You know, she was with me, and I was trying to keep her with me. And uh, the social worker was talking about alleged allegations against me. And I'm thinking, what the heck is that all about? I'm not doing anything wrong. But they took her, and it's just been a real rough road. I said, look, I'll drug test. They asked me to drug test. I said, I'll drug test right now. But thinking I could go drug test and that would be it. But no. They said it don't work that way. You gotta call in, give the last 
when your last letter of your the letter first letter of your last name comes up, then you go drug test. It was humiliating. I did that for five months. Never had a dirty test. Never had anything come up. But to go sit there for an hour and a half and wait to take that thing was extremely humiliating. And then taking it was humiliating. And so after that, you know, I did a little homework and did these classes, and I think it kind of made them angry that I jumped into it real quick and got the classes because then they added more stuff, individual counseling, 730 evaluation. And, you know, you just think sometimes that someone's taking advantage of you just by trying to cooperate with the whole thing. Uh, They just drug it out for a long time. And uh, my daughter was set up to be adopted out. They told me, you're not going to get your daughter back. They had her two hours away, one way. I made 178 trips to visit my daughter, and I did everything, all the mandates, before I was asked, you know. So I just, uh, thank you. Thank God I found you, Vincent. My mom actually found you. Thank you guys for helping me. Case closed, two words that... I'm still like, I feel like I won the lottery or something. I appreciate you guys, and I'm kind of like happy it's over. It hasn't set in yet. Well, Daniel, thank you for uh, those compliments. I appreciate it. But I, I want to ask you a couple questions for these listeners, okay? Sure. Tell us how long it took you to get your child back. She was at, it took 27 months. She was actually with the foster care for 13 months. I, when this first happened, my mom and my sister signed up for my daughter to come to their place. They live scanned, fingerprinted, but the social workers just kept dragging out, oh, she's safe where she is. You're going to be getting her home pretty soon. And it just took a long time. Um, when she was in the foster care, she had... Always had a rash real bad, not being changed in the diapers, and she was always sick. These are people that could not have children and did not have children. So they had no experience. Everything they were experiencing was on the Internet. And so they take my daughter from me. I'm a father of four, and they give her to these perfect strangers, and she had all these rashes going on. And I found out later because they didn't change the diapers enough. They're getting paid to take care of my daughter, and they didn't want to spend the money. I went one time to pick my daughter up for a visit, and, you know, she needed a diaper change. I said, i got to change her diaper. And they told me, oh, no, um, this is 10 o'clock that I went over there. And they said, she just had a diaper change at 930. And I said, well, she's not on a time schedule. When she goes, she goes. And the lady looked at me like I'm stupid, and she ran over to the diaper box and pointed, see, it says good for 12 hours. And I said, do you want to sit in a dirty diaper for 12 hours? And I changed my daughter. And they could see that she needed to be changed. But that didn't make any difference. Many times I picked her up and her diaper was wet. I check her all the time and I make sure she's clean. She's potty training now, so we're past all that. But I just couldn't believe that they would, how they found these people, or how they would just give my daughter to them and say, you're going to be able to adopt her. Okay, my daughter's part black. They said 95% of the black children that are born that have substance in their system, they get adopted out. So you have a 95% chance of adopting this child. 
And I had to listen to the foster mom call my daughter, her daughter, and her baby, and she's mommy. And after 13 months, when I finally picked her up and she was going having a real fit, I said, excuse me, you are not her mom. I never said anything to that point. I did report it to my attorney at the time, the social worker, the county prosecutor, and they said, oh, we'll look into it. Everything was just ignored. So I thank God that she's back home now, and I thank God that I found you guys because it's just been a roller coaster, a real mess. Well, Daniel, initially when they took the child from you, it took you 20, how many months to get the child back? 27 months. Okay, so she was. When, when did you call our office to represent you? Last November. So I had how many months was rep- oh, Let's see. Um, minus six months. About 21 months, I believe. So you were represented by someone else for 21 yes, months? Yes, outside attorney. Yes. And he... I, what I know now and what I've read from you guys and heard different stories, she should have been brought home right away, you know. And this guy was just, he kind of just, he'd tell me, well, we don't want to interrupt anything. We're just, we're doing good here. I think he was just getting a paycheck. I don't think he was really too concerned about myself or my daughter. And, um, you know, it should have, it's a field that I have more experience and knowledge now because of you. But I had no knowledge of different things before. And apparently he didn't either. It was family law, but this is a specialty, the juvenile dependency. So. And how long did it take us to get your child back for you? Right away, the first court appearance. We walked in there and, you know, they started talking. DCSF was not recommending my daughter come home after I finished all the mandates and did everything they asked me to, and you guys got that stopped. My daughter came home full-time with me. I was so relieved. Well, Daniel, I appreciate you calling. I appreciate the compliments. Uh, take good care of your daughter, and thank you for calling this morning. I will. Thank you, Mr. Davis. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, right now I'm going to take another caller that's been on hold for a while. Area code 619, ending in 59. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Um, I'm not doing too good. Did you want to ask a question or share a story or both? Um, I want to ask a question and share a story. Um, okay, there's a lot of back. There's a lot, hold on a second. There's a lot of background noise. I don't know if you have a TV or a radio on. Yeah. Let me move. Um. Okay. My my question is. Can you hear me now? Perfectly. Okay. My question is. Um. I had a a CPS case maybe like 20 years ago, and um. Mm-hmm. I did not reunify with my with my children, but they were with family. So they were like 26, 23, you know, having back in my life and everything. And I had um, two children, a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, who I've been taking care of by myself for nine years. Um, 
the, the, the grandmother, the father's mother, she does not like me at all. She does not help me with my children. She does not do anything for them. Um, I felt homeless, and I asked her if she kept the kids for me. She had them for four days, and then she called and reported that I basically abandoned my kids there, and I'm on drugs. Um, I haven't been on drugs since 2004, but I told her my story, and that's the only reason why she knows that I did drugs. And um, so the CCS worker who came to my house, who came to my cousin's house, when she came to talk to me, it was like early in the morning, she said she thinks I'm on drugs. I told her I've been sick for five months. Um, I look like I'm really sick. I look like I'm sick or on drugs, but I'm not on drugs. And she just took my kids anyway. She didn't do no investigation. She didn't do anything. She just snatched my kids away from me because of my past history. And then she said she's not recommending that I get uh, reunification services. And I'm like, what's the basis of y'all taking them because there's no abuse and no neglect? You know, and she said that they're being a drug exposure. And I don't do drugs, and they have not never seen me do drugs. So I have my children. So I don't know what to do because they're not trying to give me any services. Okay, well, let me ask you. Have you gone to court yet? Uh, I missed my court date. The day of the court, I missed it. Mm-hmm. I, I went to court. They told me that it was already done. And she told me it was going to be at 10 o'clock. Uh, when I went at 9.30, they said it was already done at 8. So I left, and I called her, and I said, how are you guys going to have a court date without me there? How would you all do it without me there? She said that it was at 10, and I missed it. I said, well, I was there at 930. They told me that the court was over. Okay, well, let's back up for a second. What county are you in? In San Diego? Um, San Diego. Mm-hmm. And what courthouse were you going to? Uh, the Superior Court on Metal Life Drive. Hey. Okay, so you're going to the main juvenile court. Yes. So what uh, what um, what courtroom are you assigned to? Uh, courtroom two, I believe. No, it can't be two. Two's not a dependency courtroom. Um, generally, at that building, they have uh, several courtrooms. There are juvenile delinquency cases and juvenile dependency cases. So you have a dependency case. So in that building, I think it's. I think it's Department 5, Department 9, and Department uh, 10 are the juvenile dependency courtrooms. I don't know if it was 10 or 2. I want to so nine, nine, 9 and 10 are outside in a patio area. No. Okay, well, down, five, it was down all the way to the end down there. Like when you come in and you make a left and you go all the way to the end. Okay. So when is your next court date? I do not know. I've been calling the social worker all week. She has not called me back. Um, for the bus. She hasn't given me a bus pass to see my children or anything. Well, she gave me one with nothing on it. It was nothing on it. Okay, hold, I called her. Hold said, on a second. When, when, was, when was the first court date that you went to? The first court date was like a month ago. I didn't show okay. up. My dad. Hold on. What you need to do, what you need to, is you need to go to the clerk's office, which is in that building on the second floor, with your ID, and Mm -hmm. ask them when your next court date is. 
Mm-hmm. So I was trying okay. to get a special hearing or something because they're saying they're going on my past, and if they're going on my past, I completed everything that they wanted me to do, and they still took my kids. You know, so um, I went okay. on my past. I should look and see that I completed everything that y'all said to do, and you still took my children. <laughs> okay, well, ma'am, we can help you get them back, but I want you to do something, okay? Mm-hmm. I want you to go to the clerk's office on the second floor of that building. I want you okay. to get a copy of all the minute orders uh, for this recent mm-hmm. case, and then I want you to fax or email them to me. You can okay. call my office to get the information. And then I want okay. you to call and make an appointment to speak to me on the phone. Okay. Okay. So um, if you I have am... a if you have a pen if you have a pen yeah, and a piece on. of paper right now. Yes, go get it. Okay, so my telephone number is Again, it was um, 
an argument between me and my wife. Alcohol was involved, no drugs at all. Um, and the next day, the following day, which was yesterday, um, I'm sorry, the dispute was Thursday night, and yesterday, that's when a CPS worker had give, given me a call, and I was at the, uh, the barbershop. My wife was at home. So my wife ends up calling me, telling me that the CPS worker was threatening to take away my kids and arrest my wife if I didn't get home in a timely matter. So I up and left. I came home. Um, I spoke to the CPS worker. I was unaware at the time that you could actually refuse them from entering your home. She made it seem as though it, uh, it was urgent that she entered and, and interviewed us, which if I had nothing to hide, which we don't, we let her in. And I also read that it was it was probably best to cooperate. So we we sit down. Um, no arguments are going on between me and the CPS worker. Uh, she could visually see that I have no marks on me. She can visually see that my wife has no marks on her. Um, she read the report, and the report said that there were bruises on my arm, and even the CPS worker was confused as to why there were no bruises on my arm. And she made that comment as well, hey, you know, they, this is what the, the report said, the cops said, and I'm just going with it. And I said, okay, well, I, I, can I ask you, can you agree that there are no marks on me? She agreed. Um, she did uh, speak to my wife about what happened. Uh, she spoke to me about what happened. We gave her everything that that we possibly could. Again, we're not hiding anything. She she asked to speak to the kids. Uh, my my son is six, and my younger one is three. They did they they did mention that we argue, and I and I stressed to her we're we're going on ten years in a relationship. Eight, you know, as a, as a couple and, and two married, there's going to be arguments. But she insisted that in a perfect world there will not be, which I find it hard to believe. Uh, she said that there was accounts for neglect and abuse on my children. Uh, I don't see how. I, I asked her how. And she just, again, said that because we're arguing back and forth. And... Um, and uh, uh, that was enough to pull a case. Now, to to bring up the whole picture and to get a more accurate answer, we have had issues in the past, me and my wife, where she did call the cops on me. There was no arguments as far as um, – um, I'm sorry, there was no uh, contact between me touching her or her touching me. Um, the whole deal was I, uh, I have a, well, I had a rifle at the time and I, I currently do have a shotgun. There was no threats on that maze. However, I took my gun and I left. My wife was pissed off to, to, years ago when this first original happened. She called and basically told them that we were arguing and that I had a gun and I left. It was a pretty big deal at the time that CPS got involved. Um, I had moved out to my mother's house. We ended up sticking it out together. She ended up moving with me to my mother's house. CPS came. They checked everything. My son, they checked his back. They um, asked if my my, uh, firearm is legally registered, and it is. They uh, checked our living conditions, which is understandable. Everything turned out fine. He recommended uh, closing the case on account that we see a therapist. 
a family therapist. We did so. We can, we did uh, a session or two, which was only recommended at that time, and that was that case. Now, going back to the present case, she had brought that up as well, that there was a CPS worker involved. There, were a, there was a call before, and that she recommended me and my wife having a drug test today, actually. We haven't received the information yet because we had a late conversation with her up, up until 9 o'clock. She left our house, and she said um, she'll send us the information tomorrow to go take a drug test. And that is where we'll stand. She said she'll also check the call logs for the previous calls. And as soon as the drug test comes back and the, the information comes back from the call logs, she'll meet with us Monday and find out what the result will be. Where are the children right now? Uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. The... Um, what she re- recommended was a cooling off period, and uh, you know I'm pretty sure you know what that means. But let me elaborate on what she explained to me because I was I was slightly confused since I was the one that made the call. Uh, they asked that my wife uh, leave the the residence for a cooling off period of two days, or they recommended that my children stay with a family member. Um, that are uh, obviously outside the house, so they don't want the kids to get, you know, I, they don't want the kids involved at all. So I, I had asked, I said, is this by law? Is this, what is this? She said, well, it's a voluntary uh, safe plan. So we kept asking, me and my wife asked questions. We're not in the situation daily, so we don't know. So we asked, you know, can my wife still see them during the day? She says, yeah, it's, it's whatever you want. I said, well, what if my wife wants to come home and, and get toothpaste or, get a change of clothes. Yeah, that's fine. She could do that. So I was confused on she couldn't stay there, but she could still see them. And right now the kids, my wife, just just so we don't push any buttons and, and do anything incorrectly, uh, we don't want to get our family involved as far as our relatives, brothers, mothers, sisters. Um, so what we did is we got a hotel for my kids and my wife to stay down the street. So we have documentation that, that she did in fact stay outside the house. So my kids okay. are with, my kids are, were with me. I just, I actually dropped them off right now at the hotel with my wife so she, they could see her. Do you, um, Did you sign anything? I did, unfortunately. After I read that, I shouldn't have. And um, do you have a copy of it? I, I took a picture of it. Okay. Uh, I also, I'm I getting... also should say that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I want you to text it to me. Okay. You have, you have a pen? I'll give you my number. Yeah, give me one second. I am. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I have it right here. Okay, I'm ready. 310-308. Okay. 7758. Okay, sending now. Um, And then on top of that, I had mentioned it because she didn't mention it. I I had mentioned it. I I am um, 
I'm Native American as well as my 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 two sons. Um, my son is registered, the oldest, and the youngest is in process to be registered. We are state rec- recognized, not federally recognized. So she made me. Uh, she asked me to fill out a form, I should say, because I understand the Constitution won't apply completely to me if my kids were removed from my home for any reason. That they would actually actually uh, battle it out with my with, with the tribe. So I, I, that's one of the forms I did sign as well. Okay. So I just got your text. That's the front page, and I'm sending you the back. Okay. I'm trying to enlarge it here. Yeah, they gave us a safety threat of 10, which just is unreal. If you were a safety threat of 10, you would not have your children. I don't understand it as well. Yeah. So I'm looking for the part on here. It says that you can stop the safety plan at any time. Well, she made it clear that we weren't supposed to be in the same house together. Now, um, one of the things I want to mention to you, and I should give you a warning, okay, to be fair. If you don't do what this lady says, she could take your children away from you and start a juvenile dependency court case. Okay? Okay. Okay. If you do what she, if she do if you do what she says, she could still take your kids away from you and start a juvenile dependency court case. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's no guarantee. I, you know, I don't know enough about your situation right now to tell you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. But I am going to tell you what I generally and you have to take this with a grain of salt, what I generally advise people. And I generally advise people not to cooperate with the social worker, not to do what they say, because all they're doing is gathering evidence against you. Yeah. I recommend that people don't talk to social workers. Because anything you say is going to be either taken down and used against you or twisted and used against you. And in some cases I've seen, you know, social workers basically not be truthful. I don't know if you know this, but in downtown Los Angeles right now, there are five social workers being criminally prosecuted for writing false reports to the court. Wow. So this is a this is in my opinion a culture of doing things for a lot of social workers. Not all social workers. There are good social workers. Unfortunately, there are social workers that are not good. And the problem becomes how do you know who you're dealing with? You don't know. Um has you or your wife enrolled in any domestic violence counseling? No. Just the therapy that we were appointed to. I'm sorry, you said just the therapy that you were what? We, oh, we were asked to do uh, as a part of uh, the previous incident that I mentioned. Okay, so are you doing that therapy? Oh, that was years ago, so no, that, that was over with. 
Okay, did the social worker advise you to do some therapy? Yeah, he did, and we actually went through with it. We did, like, maybe one or, one or two sessions of it, and then that was it. Okay. How long, because I, I haven't blown this up, the picture you sent me, how long is this plan supposed to last? On, over the weekend. Uh, so it would be over on Monday. Okay. Well, from the basic limited things that you've told me, I would say go ahead and comply with this until Monday. You do not have to take a drug test. I mean, you can if you want to, but you do not have to. Okay. Your wife doesn't have to take one. Okay. And I guess, I guess what else was she asking you to do? Uh, again, for have my wife stay out of the house, um, I take a drug test. And I wanted to ask you, what under what circumstances would an individual be asked to take a drug test? You know, I get the feeling sometimes that the social workers ask everyone to take a drug test, or almost everyone. And I'm going to give you my opinion why. You see, this whole system, in my opinion, is a money-making opportunity for the counties in California or in every state. You see, the people paying for this is the federal government. And the more services like drug tests that they push upon you, the more money they're going to make from the federal government through a budgetary process. You know, many years ago, before I was an attorney, I was a certified public accountant. And I worked at a firm that was at that time called Haskins and Sales. It was an international accounting firm. It then became Deloitte Haskins and Sales. Now it's just Deloitte. But to make a long story short, when I was there, Los Angeles County was one of our biggest clients. And there's this whole area about governmental accounting. It's a very specialized area of accounting. But one of the things I learned, and I see this now, is governmental entities are in business not only to help people, they're in business to make money. And if they're not servicing you and pushing these services on you, they're not making money. So, you know, they may they may want to physically examine your children with a doctor. They may want to have your kids examined to see if there was any sexual abuse. There's a big lawsuit, I think, going on in San Diego where any time a child is detained from, from the parent, no matter what the allegation, they were they were given sexual abuse uh, screening exams, which you know wow. I don't know if you've ever I don't know if you ever know, had one, but they're very intrusive as you might imagine. So they're just you know in my opinion, and this is my humble opinion, they're peddling these services to make money, but they're all getting a lot of background noise from you. Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. Um, they're giving you all of these services, and they do it in the under the banner of protecting children. But what's really happening is they're making money. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
So what I will, what I, I, if you want to consult with me any further about it, just give me a call or text me if you have any questions, and I'll try to help you out. But uh, my advice right now, from what you've told me, just comply with the plan of the of the mom staying out of the house until the twentieth. Now, this lady may end up filing, filing a juvenile case against you. All right. And trying to take the ch- and trying to take the children away from you. If that happens, what you should do is call or text me immediately. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Um, well, good luck. One, one more. Yes. One, one more question. Um, and obviously, this is, these are all just people, individuals talking online. But I, I did read on a few uh, firm sites that law firm sites that refusing a drug test could actually look pretty bad on you. Yeah, I told you that it could. But here's the thing. The type of drug test that you take for the Department of Children and Family Services in Los Angeles County, because from county to county it's different, is not 100% reliable. Uh So there is such a thing called a false positive. There is such a thing called a false negative. So Google knows all, and what you should do is you should Google the type of test that you are going to take, and it will tell you, and there will be articles about the scientific nature of, you know, taking certain types of drug tests. Now, there's different types of drug tests. There's a urinalysis, and uh, I read an article recently. There are several different types of urinalysis drug testing. Then there's blood, and I've read that there's several different types of blood testing. And there's hair, hair follicle testing. There's several different types. So, you you know, if you were to say, hey, I want to take a drug test, and it comes back up with a false positive because of just the nature of the test or through human error. Now, you got to remember, um, you know, what's going on at these drug collection facilities and the type of people working there and it's very busy and chaotic sometimes um, what if somebody makes a mistake or the test is a mistake and it comes back and says you use methamphetamine mm-hmm. you're going to be you're going to be in a world of hurt trying to explain that away with the social worker and the judge now the flip side is you don't take the test that means they have no evidence against you. See, this is still, you know, laws still apply. They need evidence. The fact that you don't take a drug test is not evidence that you are a drug abuser. Do you understand that? I understand that, yes. Okay. So if an attorney told you on a website that you should take the drug test, that's that attorney's opinion. Okay? Yeah. Okay, I'm telling you my opinion, and I I can tell you this. I've been doing this. I've been an attorney this year, this December, 30 years. Wow. I've I've done literally thousands, me and my firm, thousands of these cases. And we represent people not only in Los Angeles. We represent people Riverside, San Bernardino, San Diego, Ventura, Orange. We represent people in... Shasta County, Humboldt County. Do you know where that is? That's yes. near the Oregon border. That's near the Oregon border. We've represented people in um, 
I can't even think of all the counties that we've represented people in. Martinez, San Joaquin. So, I mean, I have a lot of experience. So what I'm just, I'm, what I'm telling you is not, you know, just out of my butt. I mean, I'm basically yeah. on, you know, experience that I have. Now, that doesn't mean another attorney will tell you something different, okay? Yeah. It's like going to the doctor. You know, one doctor is going to tell you you need that operation, and the other doctor is going to tell you you don't need it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, you have to do your research, you have to talk to people, and you have to finally make a decision, you know, that you and your family, that's best for you and your family. Yeah. Um, I, and I've been involved in many, I have a case right now where my client um, uh, had a false positive. Oh, this is this is great. Listen to this story. I know we're running out of time. So I have okay. a client in Orange County. I, ha- I have a client in Orange County. She takes tests. She's testing clean for weeks. She takes one test, and it comes back positive. She continues testing for weeks. She's clean. So we got this one positive. And the social worker, bless her heart, says to the, in her reports to the judge, I think this was a mistake, and I'm not going to recommend taking the kids away from her. Now, unfortunately, well, fortunately, the judge has gone along with this so far, but unfortunately, there's a minor's attorney who wants to take the kid away from her. Okay? Wow. Guess, guess what the social worker did? The social worker gave my client to give to me what I will describe as a secret memo in that county about all the problems with the drug testing facility and the drug testing tests that they actually do in that county. Now, by the way, I've been doing cases in Orange County for years. I've never heard or seen of this memo. So the workers are actually trained that these tests are inherently unreliable. Yeah. But they, ne- but they never tell anybody that. They never tell the judge yeah. that. But, but this mm-hmm. worker, bless her heart, she felt so bad for my client, she decided to disclose it. Wow. And of course, And of course, the minor's attorney has backed off because now she sees something she didn't know. Uh, before this case, and this particular minor's attorney, who was against my client, has been around probably twenty, probably twenty years. Yeah, sir, I'm running out of time, and I've got to wrap up the show. If you have any questions, give us a call at the office. You have my personal cell number. Call or text okay. me, and uh, we'll try to help you out. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye bye. Interesting call. Um, hope I can help him out. Hope things turn out for him uh, with his uh, investigation and hopefully he doesn't catch a case in juvenile dependency court. Um, I didn't get to finish the list of uh, things to do when the social worker uh, comes to your door. I'll pick that up next week. Don't forget, next week, every Saturday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., we have our show. Get your kids back now. I explain the secrets on how to win your case against DCFS and CPS workers all around the state of California. Um, If you are a listener and you want to call in, 
can either listen or uh, ask a question or share your story. The number is 646-668-8791, 646-668-8791. And don't forget that you can listen to past shows and get the transcripts on our website, talkradioexperts.com. Thank you.